This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout, a one-hour All-Mariners show. Starting at 1 p.m., we're going all the way to 2 p.m. We get things started every single Tuesday with the Scott Service Show, presented by Pizza Hut, with support from Mazda of Everett. Skip, how's it going? Uh, we're doing okay. How are you guys today? Uh, we're, we're doing good. You know, yesterday was a tough one, but it's a long season. Um, and I don't know about you, Scott. I recovered from it by eating uh, lots of chocolate caramels. I had some ice cream. So I don't know if you have like a comfort food that you turned to yesterday, but that was mine. Highly recommend it. I have uh, I have too many comfort foods that I have been searching for recently. <laughs> yeah, so I need to get out of that bucket. But, you know, uh, them away. Uh, it's, it's it's where we're at. But uh, you know, hopefully, you got Robbie Ray on the mound tonight. Mm-hmm. We can get things moving back in the right direction. Uh, obviously, the, the Phillies took it to us last night. They've got a really good hitting ball club, and you know, we need to start getting that offense going and, and match them a little bit on the offensive side. Hey, Scott, you played at a time where I think things could get a little bit. Uh, crazy or or silly or superstitious or things like that. I don't think we see that as much anymore, but did you ever have a teammate who did anything strange to get out of a slump or a team where you, you mix, where the lineup was mixed up or all the bats were burned or anything like that? Yeah, I've been around some, some different things. I've seen guys take all the bats and throw them in the middle of the clubhouse and uh, actually try to start them on fire, and they couldn't even get them on fire. <laughs> That's always a bad sign. Uh, yeah, yeah, you knew that was. There's, you know, guys switch up things. You know, you see uh, you know, everybody's going to wear the uniform a certain way, everybody at the high socks or everybody, um, you know, individual players. Certainly baseball is probably one of the more superstitious sports just because it's there's so much, you know, such a routine-orientated world that we live in. You know, you get up, everything revolves around the game every day, and, different how you put your socks on to how you put your uniform, the T-shirt you're wearing under your uniform. There's all kinds of stuff guys try. (laughs) Scott, uh, I was curious uh, in terms of you being uh, a a catcher and looking at today's game with all the analytics and everything else, do you think it was easier – do you think it's easier now or easier when you played to manage a pitching staff? Uh, It's it's a good question. Um, I I think – different ways and, and I guess you have to define easier uh, but I think the information we have nowadays is, is very helpful it allows you to make better decisions and that's what you're doing as a catcher you're making 150 to 170 decisions on a particular night you know on what pitches to throw and and how to kind of manage your way through games uh, from behind the plate but you know the information we have nowadays in some sense can make that a little bit easier uh, but it can also be a little bit more challenging because we have a way to track things and to check things. Are we staying with the game plan, you know, that we talked about going, uh, you know, heading into the game? And then, you know, you still have to – the human element plays such a big part of it. You can go in with plan A every night, and all of a sudden your pitcher doesn't have a particular pitch working for him. Okay, how quickly do you recognize that and can pivot away from it to allow – especially your starting pitcher to – you know, to kind of manipulate his way through a lineup uh, two or three times to get your give your team a chance to win. So, um, you know, back in the day, you didn't have all those things. You were kind of going off your feel, the experience, how well you knew the league. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to how well do you know your pitcher and what you, can you get out of those guys and, you know, how to, you know, to, to push the right buttons with them. But it's probably a little bit more challenging now um, than it was back in the day just because you can check everything. 
you know, we, we have systems in place to, to make sure we're trying to stay on point with everything. Uh, speaking of pitchers, a couple things happened since the last time we spoke with you, Scott. One of them being the debut of George Kirby, who had a fantastic showing. Uh, I only wish he would have gotten the win. It was a no decision, but still great stuff from him. Would you make of his start? Awesome. Uh, George was fantastic. Uh, exceeded any expectations anybody could have for any pitcher making their debut. I mean, it was it was a really good fastball. He had really good command. He got behind in the count on a few hitters, but I think we quickly saw what separates George Kirby is his ability to make adjustments really quickly and get back in the strike zone, and that's what he did. And he's gifted. You know, he's got a great fastball. His, his slider and curveball have really come along. His changeup might be his, his best secondary pitch. So he's got all the weapons, and he throws a ton of strikes. And uh, George was about as cool as they come during that game. Um, I thought he, most pitchers are a little bit edgy, nervous. It certainly didn't look like it, you know, when he took the mound. He was in, in total control, which is a great sign for a young pitcher. So um, off to a great start. I'm sure everybody saw that, his, you know, the kind of the fan club that he had with him, a lot of former teammates, family, all in the ballpark. So it was a great day for him. Scott, did you do a get-to-know with him in spring training in one of the morning meetings? Oh, yeah, we do with everybody, Shannon. <laughs> you know that. I think, you know, George quickly, uh, you know, uh, he's a guy that wasn't afraid to speak up. And, and you know, everybody's going to compare George to Logan. They're totally different personality-wise. Uh, similar on the mound. they got great stuff, and, and they're young. But uh, uh, George has got a little bit more of the New York. He'll fire a zinger back at you once in a while. Uh, Logan is a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, polite. And, <laughs> you know, uh, what kind of... You know, I'll tell you what you want to hear at times a little bit more than George will, but uh, I love having both the guys around. Certainly they're tremendous talents and something we can be excited about going forward here. Now, we haven't seen the probables coming up for the road trip, but is it safe to say George will pitch in New York? Yes. Uh, George is probably scheduled to pitch Saturday in New York. Um, you know, we'll, we'll open up in New York with Marco, uh, go George, and then uh, probably Robbie Ray after that. So that's the way it's lined up right now. You realize all of Rye is going to be there, there, don't you? I certainly hope so. You know, with the crazy Mets fans that will be showing up there, we can use all the all the support we can get. But, uh, yeah, George will have a big following there for him. I know he's excited. But any time as a player you get to go back and kind of pitch close to where you grew up, it's a special time. Yeah, that's awesome. Skip, you know, when you have a young pitcher like that who's making their debut, are you – proverbially on the edge of your seat, just hoping that they get through each inning they pitch and, hey, this inning isn't the one where it kind of unravels for them? Or were you at one point in time watching George Kirby and going, oh, my gosh, this guy's cruising? Yeah, I, I'm typically not on the edge of my seat with the young guys. I think, you know, we go into the game with a, with a plan. And it's a very conservative plan. We're not going to typically run that guy deep into the game. You know, we, we want him to keep us in the game, but... You know, originally the plan with George was let's just get him out there for five innings and hopefully get him out feeling good about his outing. But after five innings, I'm like, this is awesome. We got to give him another one. You know, <laughs> he was rolling <laughs> and he had plenty of pitches to work with. So um, I'm excited for for young guys getting that opportunity. Uh, you don't always know. It's not always going to work out as well as it did for George the other day. But you know, we have plans set up. If it goes south early, you know, you can bail them out. You want to take care of young guys, so we're very conscious of that when they take the mound the first or second time. Mm. Uh, obviously, JP has been off to a hot start, and you, you see him have the back spasms, and that's never something you want to see with your star players. Uh, how nice will it be for him to hopefully get back out there today? Yeah, I'm excited. He's such a pivotal part to our team, offensively, defensively, in the clubhouse, the whole thing, and, and he loves playing every day, and 
certainly against playing against his old team, you know, with the Phillies in town. He wants to get back out there. So um, he'll be in the lineup today. Um, he's ready to go. Um, again, things happen throughout the course of the year, and one of the little situations now where we have a couple of our players are out of the lineup, and it's a challenge. There's no question. But, you know, we need guys to step up. Uh, it is an opportunity for others, and, um, you know, hopefully our guys, you know, will take advantage of it with Murph out and with Haney out right now. But glad to get JP back in there. It'll be huge for us tonight. I was going to say, do you kind of try to galvanize guys with your own speeches, or do you kind of leave it to some of those veterans to maybe pull people aside or ask answer questions from any young players or kind of encourage each other? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I try to stay pretty hands-on as far as, you know, communicating with our guys and not just the young players, but maybe some, some guys, you know, talking to different guys that may be struggling or trying to get it going or, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the job. But I've often, I always say that, you know, players are going to listen to other players more than they listen to the manager or coaches. That's just the way the game has been. It'll always be that way. Um, so fortunate for us, you know, we do have a few guys that are, are willing to share experiences and talk to some of the younger guys, some of the guys that have been around. For instance, you know, I, you know Adam Frazier wasn't in the lineup last night, but he's consistently, constantly trying to, you know, talking with, with Jared Kelnick throughout the course of the game, you know, how to make adjustments, what you're looking for, how to do things, you know, that Brace has been in the league and he's passing that along. It's really important that those guys continue to communicate amongst themselves because, they're, like I said, they're going to listen to each other more than they're going to listen to the coach or manager. Scott, assuming that Murphy's going to be out for a little while, what's the plan going to be with Cal Raleigh? He, he was down and working on things and, and now he's up. How do you bring him along and how do you know how much to give him? Yeah, really looking for for Cal to take this opportunity and and run with it. Um, you know, we'll we'll continue to split time between Cal and, and Luis Torrent. I think Luis has done a really nice job behind the plate. Uh, he's not swinging the bat as well as he'd like to, or what we got used to seeing last year in the second half from him. But you know, hopefully that'll come. But in, in Cal's regard, you know, he's going to get a chance to play. Uh, like I said, splitting time with Luis, um, not just offensively, but really an opportunity opportunity for him to you know help lead the pitching staff. You know, showing up and, and having some energy and helping those guys get through tough points in the game and things like that. Those are all the things that like, don't show up in the box score and maybe the normal or casual fan doesn't really see. You just get attached to a batting average or what's going, you know, the little things within the game that a catcher can provide to help you win games is vitally important. And, uh, you know, trying to get Cal to, to, to be more, um, I guess, more outgoing, um, take that – take. Take the bull by the horns and let's go lead those guys. That's what you have to do behind the plate, no matter how much experience you have. And he's, he's very capable of doing it. You know, Skip, you talk about Luis Serenz uh, doing a better job at the plate. Is, is that through his work that he's done a more conscious effort to, you know, become that type of player uh, now that he's being thrusted into having to play more often? Yeah, going into the offseason, I know it's something we talked about with LT. You know, he wants to catch. He, he understands that's kind of his ticket to get on the field on a regular basis. Uh, and and uh, he has really improved. Uh, the receiving has gotten better. The game calling has gotten better. He's staying with the plan. He's got really good throwing arm. We've seen him make multiple throws this year, throwing runners out when you really don't think he had a chance. And he's very accurate. He puts the ball right on the bag. Um, you know, so... He's kind of he checks all the boxes back there, and and uh, I think he's doing a nice job behind the plate. And you know his calling card to this point has really been his bat, and and that's been a little bit slow to get going. Um, and we need to get him going there because I do think he can help us offensively as well. Hey uh, Scott, this is actually a couple days ago, but I'm I'm just thinking of it because I was thinking of interactions in the dugout and uh, maybe some of the energy from guys. And I was remembering Jared Kelnick getting that home run. 
that was the most fired up I have ever seen Jared Kelnick in since I've been watching him. I mean, this guy running, high fiving, freaking out, heading into the dugout. Uh, what have you seen just from his development? It sure looked like he felt really just validated and pumped up by that. I know it ended up being a loss, but what a moment. Yeah, it was a moment. Anytime, you know, you're in a tough spot, you pinch hit in that moment. He didn't start the game, but it was a good matchup, and we got him in there, and, and he put a great swing on the ball and got a great result. So, uh, and a big point in the game, he, he was juiced up. Uh, great to see uh, that kind of energy come through. And, uh, you know, he's been working. It's been a grind for him uh, early here in his major league career. It has not been easy. And you want to see some of your work, you know, you want to see it pay off once in a while, and he did. So, uh, you know, we need to see more of that. Obviously, it's in there. There's no question it's in there. But, uh, you know, staying consistent, you know, with his approach, um, you know, and, and it's really put a focus on trying to, you know, especially in batting practices, early work, um, staying in the left center field, don't get too pull happy, allowing him to stay on balls more. He's also made some, some nice adjustments, you know, in a two-strike approach that he's adapted to, and, and it's going to be really valuable. I think that's what the best hitters in the game do. Uh, they're able to make adjustments, and, you know, the more playing time he gets, he'll get more comfortable making them, and, and hopefully the results come. Now, Skip, uh, we only have you for 30 seconds here. So, obviously, you telling us JP will be in the lineup today is very important information. Talking about Kelnick, talking about what you've seen from Kirby, all of this is really useful and, and, uh, and interesting to us. However, I obviously uh, am going to throw in a stupid question to end things since we have so little time <laughs> with you. Earlier today, we were arguing over cereal. Skip, I don't know if you're a cereal guy, but I was told Frosted Flakes are the best cereal, and I think that is a horrible selection. What would be your top choice? Oh, my gosh. I haven't had cereal in years. <laughs> if you were to choose now, just to choose. I'm going to go Fruit Loops. How's that? That's a great answer. There you go. That's a great right. answer. Nice. So much better. Shannon's shaking her head. She's so upset. Terrible. He is the Skipper Scott Service. Okay, All right, Scott, good luck tonight. Thanks, Skip. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. That was the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Shannon, good news about J.P. Crawford. Yeah, but you're doing the cereal thing all wrong. No, Shannon. Okay, here's the problem, Shannon. <laughs> you just Frosted flakes. I get it. They, they're they frosted. They have sugar on them. I used to eat them and put additional sugar in the cereal. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with sugar. There are 500 options for cereal. You mean to tell me to my face that frosted flakes over Cocoa Puffs. Cinnamon yes. Toast Crunch. Yes. Uh, peanut Butter Crunch. Captain, <laughs> Captain Crunch. Crunch. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Oops, all bears. Oh my. The Oreo cereal. Oh, please. I mean, Have there's an Oreo. so many choices. I would. I would gladly put Oreos in a bowl and pour milk over them. Shannon. Okay. So something that you have to take into consideration is the milk. And when you have all of these cereals, they're all the same thing. They're the exact same ingredients, except some are going to have food coloring. Some are going to have a little bit of cocoa. I don't know what is in the Captain Crunch, but it's awful. But you have got pure, unadulterated sugar and crunch in your Frosted Flake. The flakes hold up just long enough rather than just meld into some brownish greenish First mess in the bottom and then this is where you're missing it frosted flakes has the best milk at the end everything else is just a disaster oh. disrespecting captain crunch First Awful. of all represented by a member of our maritime services how uh, how dare you guys well, captain crunch is amazing is it maritime this is uh, maritime maritime <laughs> maritime <laughs> shannon i'm Who's sorry Mary? I, I took us i took us i think off it's stacy time come on stacy shannon getting jp crawford back tonight is a huge help 
It should be. Uh, you know, you've lost. It's so funny because I was just thinking about his progression this year and how important he was to this lineup. And if you remember, he didn't hit anything in spring training. They go out and they get Adam Frazier, who's got just a tremendous track record at the top of the lineup. So, you know, naturally he was going to be at the top of the lineup. JP started the season hitting eighth. Mm-hmm. And when this team had success, you had Adam Frazier was going and hitting like he has hit. Yeah. Ty France was Ty France. Uh, Mitch Haniger, you remember him? He no. was in that lineup batting third. Oh, how I remember him, yes. You know, and, and you could absorb Winker just having the worst luck in the history of baseball. Suarez was doing things, and, you know, you had time, and the, the youngsters had the opportunity to not have to stress about things because your first six hitters were doing things. Yeah. And then there's J.P. Crawford hitting eighth, your second-best hitter on the team, and eventually up to sixth and eventually up to third. But I think it kind of illustrates just how off the tracks they've gotten yeah. losing Mitch hurts that obviously is going to shrink the length of the lineup and, and then just uh, all it takes after that is a couple of struggles and that's what we have been seeing and that's the danger with this lineup with the young players at the bottom you kind of need things to really be going to help make them feel comfortable and Crawford has been a huge part of that so Shannon obviously we're excited to see what the lineup looks like now with, with uh, JP Crawford and and since Mitch has been out he has been batting third do you anticipate him going back to third or is has Julio done a good enough job to to be in that position Ty's going to stay second. They seem to like, you know, Frazier would probably, unless they make a move with Frazier, and they seem to kind of be intrigued by Toro at the top, especially yeah. as a switch hitter. So uh, I, I don't think it really matters at that point. Mm. I, I think just, you know, bunch your guys together that can hit. Yeah. And I, I think probably Crawford, prop, why am I doing this? I hate predictions. <laughs> I, I, I think he might hit ahead of Julio, Julio, but I'm not going to write that in ink. That's probably. I mean, I, that's that's what I would assume as well. But there's been a part of me that thinks that, you know, it'd be interesting to see if if JP hit behind Julio just because he's done such a good job lately of getting on base, um, and JP being more of the veteran hitter, you know, to drive that run in. But I, I'll be curious to see how they how they try to, you know, how Service tries to manufacture some of these runs in here because it just has been few and far between over the last thirteen games, which has been such a bummer. Service post game yesterday also mentioned missing out on Tom Murphy, which I didn't even consider. But you think about him not just as their best catcher, but he's been pretty solid to start the year as well in limited starts. Yeah, he had a hot start. Now they were spotting him very carefully where they were putting him, but he was hitting well over four hundred for yeah. most of the time. He just kind of started to tail off right before he got hurt, but mm-hmm. that certainly uh, was was a factor. I think a lot of people wanted to see him a little bit more, yeah. but I think again they were very much targeting where they were playing him. And you know, I agree with Scott Service a credit to a credit to Luis Torrens and what he has been doing behind the plate. If you compare what he's doing right now to what he was doing last year, where yeah. it seemed like every start there was one of, you know, forehead slap. What <laughs> what just happened? I didn't ever think he was as bad as he was showing last year defensively, and I thought he was very passable the year before. Seems like he's getting back to it, and I think it's a little bit of a recommitment to who he is. Mm-hmm. In the second half of last year in particular, he was really kind of, he was taking work with the infielders a lot more. He thought of himself as an infielder. That's what he grew up as. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a little bit of a more commit, a recommitment mm-hmm. to catching with him. Uh, so Robbie Ray hits the mound tonight. Uh, you know, What do you want to see from him? And what will help him have success against the Phillies? Lots of sliders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good Just sliders. Just down yeah. sliders. Lots of, I mean, he is a fastball slider pitcher. The Phillies are a fastball hitting team. They are a very good 
fastball hitting team. So mm-hmm. he's going to definitely need to have a slider on point, have the location. Obviously, with the fastball, I would like to see more of the velocity. I'm still, I know it ticked up a little bit last start. I want to see more. I'm still not 100% convinced that he's where I feel comfortable with him at and what he does. But the good news is, is that after his last start, he he told the media that he, he thinks he's just about there. Really? And I think he thought he was there out of, of spring training. And, you know, first start was great, but he had mm. those odd starts. You know, he had the cold start in Minnesota. He right. had the tornado in Chicago. And <laughs> just not a, a typical start to the season for him. And he's been working on some things. I don't know specifically what they were, but just the way he was talking after the last game, he knows himself. I think think he believes it's kicking in this will be a challenge you know he's <laughs> Philly's this start and then he mm-hmm. heard him say he'll be pitching Sunday against the Mets this yeah. will be a heck of a challenge but do you simply chalk that up to just you know ramp up period for him because that's something that you know a lot of people look at it with his fastball you know if it gets if it can get to that 95 you know level where you know he was at his best last year that it, it'll it'll be a lot better for him it, why do you think it's it's taken that has it been the weather has it been that factor it could be all of the above it could be the shorter spring training i mean i know everybody did all the work and we made such a big deal about robbie ray threw 50 pitches in his first bullpen but it was different you had the opportunity yeah you know you can stretch that out over three sometimes four and if you're a veteran maybe in five you're not maybe pitching in that first spring game where you just go one or two innings and you have that time to really get into it you've done the work but a lot of times you know they want to get the feel or they want to you know just kind of perfect with what they have been working on in the off season, they had none of that. They had to get right into games. They basically threw one bullpen and went into games, and he threw, I think, four innings in his first game. So I, I think that might have something to do with it. We're also kind of questioning if he's more of a warm-weather pitcher, too, that maybe you do see that velocity take an uptick. I've seen that with guys before. Yeah. And that may, again, be you pitch for two months. Now everything is, is smooth. Your mechanics you are comfortable with, and, and, and you do get that bump. Uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You're listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Shannon Dreyer joining us for the entire hour. Our conversation with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer, powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. We've been talking about this team for 22 minutes and 47 seconds, and we haven't spent nearly enough time talking about Julio Rodriguez. Whoa, struggled. Julio getting (laughs) three hits yesterday. Yes. Fantastic game for him. So let's start there with Gary Hill when he joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Jake and Stacy here for The Dugout along with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it is Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. Gary, how's it going? I am doing great. How are you? How is everyone? Jake, Stacy, Shannon, Curtis, today. I'm fantastic. I don't want to speak for anyone else. I mean, how are you guys doing? I mean, Gary, I'm telling you, I'm doing really, really well. I'm looking forward to Jackson's T-ball practice tonight. That's I'm just like so pumped for it. Let's, nice. let's get cool. this thing going. I'm thinking about showing up for work, Gary. <laughs> thinking uh, about it. Okay. I mean, that seems like a mistake, but okay, if you want. Curtis is great. I'm all right. Curtis is fine. We don't need to talk about it. Look, Gary, we got to be honest, though. Now I will speak for all four of us and say we could be better uh, if the Mariners Uh uh, didn't uh, give up 17 hits to the Phillies and nine runs and maybe if they uh, hadn't been slumping just a bit here. It's, It's not been especially fun in a year where there's been so much promise. So, uh, if you start looking at this team, I mean, is this a team that is 
a talented team in a bit of a slump, or is it a team that just really needs some help? Yeah, I think you speak for everyone there. It has been a rough stretch, certainly, kind of a, a Charles Dickens type start to the season. So I guess when I look at this, there's a few. Whenever you go through a stretch like this, there's usually not just one culprit, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of see this as a few thing, different things at play. One of them is the schedule. I feel like in baseball, we probably don't talk about the schedule enough. It feels like uh, when you look at it from the outside, there's so many games that oh, things will even out. And in the reality, things don't always even out. It depends on how good your division is uh, with how things are unbalanced with the schedule, how good uh, the National League division you're paired with is. So it can be – schedule can really play into this. This was the part of the schedule I worried about the most coming into the season – and it's really played out that way. And unfortunately, it doesn't get any easier. Two more against the Phillies and a really tough road trip as well. And just as an example, the Mariners have played, I think, tied for the third most games against teams above 500. They've played 20 so far. The Brewers, just as an example, they're eight games above 500. They played five games against teams above 500. So schedule can play a, a big part in this. The Mariners have faced some really good arms. Obviously, the offense has had its struggles. Just go back to the Houston series, and, I mean, they couldn't put anything together. And you look at matchups like the matchup against Oda Rizzi, last night against Ranger Suarez. I mean, those are games that you hope the Mariners can get things going because you like the matchup coming in, and they couldn't. I'll also say, and this may be kind of surprising, but I think the pitching needs to be more consistent. And I think that has been a big part of it. And I know it's weird because – you look at their team ERA and it's 383, but when you look at the current hitting conditions, the current uh, run scoring, I mean, that, that ERA puts you 20th in baseball. And their starting pitching ERA is about the same. And ERA isn't everything, but they need to be more consistent in the rotation and they need to be more consistent pitching wise. Right now, in the current run environment, it's just really hard to win. You look at the last. What, they've given up seven plus and three out of the past four? It's really hard to win in this, this current run environment like that. They've got to be more consistent on the mound. Gary, I think we're on the same page. My insider today was pointing to the pitching because obviously the spotlight is on the lack of offense, but if you look at what's gone on since they left for the last road trip, the bullpen in particular, that has the worst ERA. The fifth's not helping them out either, and they're giving up home runs at a higher rate than anybody in that time. As far as the starters go, you've seen the brilliant performances, but then you've seen the ones that are not so, and I, I get the consistency there. But to me, it almost seems like that's a positive this you know on the pitching side both the starters and the bullpen that seems to be the most fixable at this point yeah yeah because there's track records there too like i I feel i still think you really feel good about where the rotation is and i think you feel good about where ray is going to go i'm anxious to see his start tonight i think you feel good about marcos where he's going to go i think you feel great about george kirby (laughs) he's off to a pretty fine start so uh the track record is there. There's really good arms in the bullpen, and I think you're right that that is going to get straightened out. And it, it has to. It has to because that's how you compete right now in Major League Baseball. You have to outpitch teams. I mean, look at the Dodgers. I mean, their team ERA is like it's just above two. It's ridiculous right now, but that's the <laughs> current environment. You have to pitch well right now. You know, uh, Gary, we talk about, hey, it's early on in the season. There's opportunities to get back in this thing, to turn things around. We saw it last year. And one of the things that you point to, though, in terms of 2021, how they were able to do it, 
you know, the lowest that they got was five games under 500 at any point in the early part of the schedule. Right now, they're really kind of flirting on that line. Um, and you mentioned how difficult the schedule is. It's only it's only going to continue. You know, how how important is this month for them to, you know, at least be able to keep themselves in striking distance so that they could have a really fun, really fun summer and pull themselves out? Yeah, so the way I look at early seasons is you can't win anything in the first 30 games, first 40 games, but you can bury yourself in the first 30 or 40 games. And when you go through a tough stretch early on, like the Mariners have right now, uh, I just, you just got to go in survival mode. I mean, you got to stay hopefully within 500, which keeps you within striking distance. And I think that's what you ask for out of teams when you're in tough stretches like this. Uh, it's interesting to look around the American League right now and some teams that haven't been able to do that. The Boston Red Sox, a team that I think everyone was expecting to be in contention right now. They're now nine games below 500. They've lost five in a row in last place in a really tough division. Uh, that's a team that I think is starting to bury themselves uh, in playoff contention. But I don't think the Mariners are there yet. This is not kind of time by any means. But it is a tough stretch, and they have to find a way to stay just stay within striking distance to make a run when the schedule softens up. Obviously, it's uh, it's also tough when a team in your division does much better than expected, that being uh, the mm-hmm. Angels. Am, am I the only one that's surprised by that, or did you think that they'd taken a big step forward? Oh, I still am I, I'm not fully bought in on the Angels yet. And I mean, they have Otani, they have Trout, right? right? I mean, that's a, that's a great starting point. That's a starting point that every team would love to have because those are two of the best players this game has to offer, two of the most exciting, two of the most fun to watch. So there's that. I am not fully sold on their pitching yet. They have pitched great. They've been out of their minds. Syndergaard has been excellent for them. Lorenzen's been pretty consistent. Sandoval has pitched well. This is a team that has really struggled. It's been kind of the same story. They have the big names. They have offensive firepower. They have not been able to figure out the pitching side for years and years and years. So the question is, have they figured it out? Have they matched up, finally matched up the pitching with the hitting? Uh, I got to see it for more than a month. But if they have, obviously, I mean, this is Captain Obvious, they're going to be really tough. And the other question for me is Mike Trout, one of the best players this game has ever seen, one of the best current players this game has going. Can he put together a healthy season for them? Because this last five, for the most part, have not been. And if they're going to stay in this thing and be competitive, they need him for at least relatively a full season. That's exactly right. If they keep it going, it certainly makes the AL West race all the more interesting, Mm -hmm. even if it's more stressful for Seattle. He is Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. Gary, thanks so much for taking the time. Anytime. Great to be with you. Shannon, I'll see you later. That's what you think. <laughs> Shannon. Still haven't Shannon, made up my mind Shannon, yet. you're going to work. Okay, Shannon, we we'll need see. you. We Maybe. need you. Maybe. You're listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Well, we don't just need Shannon for the game. We also need you to help us preview the rest of this series here. That's next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners.
This is The Dugout with Jake Stacy and Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, care to help us preview the rest of this series? We got Robbie Ray tonight for the Mariners, hoping to bounce back after what was, I'm going to go ahead and safely say, their worst loss of the season. Gave up 17 hits to the Phillies, uh, nine runs. It was not great. You got to move forward. Good news, though, Robbie Ray, going to be making the start for you. Uh, Julio, three hits Yesterday, a great place to start. Does it feel like his bat's getting hot? He's figuring it out, or is sitting three thirty nine over his last seventeen plate appearances? Nah, it feels like figuring it out a little bit to me. Yeah, and I like the way that he's been figuring it out too. This isn't something he tried to swing his way out of. I mean, he worked very methodically through it. Didn't try to get too big. Didn't try. You know, he took what was given to him. And I think, you know, I wonder. I need to talk to him about this, but I, I wonder, knowing that he has that speed right now, I wonder if that's affected him and what he does at the plate and that he doesn't have to do too much, that a single can be a double like we saw last night. You know, either he stretches it or he steals second base. If that's taken some pressure off of him, I'm kind of curious to that because he is so confident. You know, that's a really good point because, you know, as I've been talking about, look, I am not going to be complaining that you know that Julio possesses all this power and you see it in his exit velos and you would love you know, all selfishly, we would all love to see him hitting homers and all that kind of stuff, and eventually that will come. But the fact that he can rely on that speed to to swing free and easy, I I I, I will be very curious to see what that answer is that that you when you ask him because you know right now what you see him doing is just make contact, make contact, and good things will happen. And you know, uh, I think that that's been a really good you know, approach for him over obviously the last, you know, 16 games. Well, it stands to reason now what we haven't really seen from him is really punish the mistakes yet. And I think we're going to see more of the mistakes. And all of a sudden you're starting to see him see a few more fastballs than he has seen before. I mean, he's seen more breaking and off speed than anyone, but it's starting to come around the other way. And I'm just kind of curious to see, you know, he's going to know when to turn on one, but it's, it's been very, I can't think of a young player that has come up and has had the discipline that he has had, especially when you take into consideration what he dealt with in the umpires, which was beyond ridiculous, but did not come out of that approach at all. And that should, you know, you kind of wonder, he's looking to the the veterans on the team, and you kind of wonder if some of them kind of look to him a little bit, not the the older veterans, (laughs) but... Stick with the plan. Stick, and they're all telling each other that this is a very process-driven baseball team. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of "I did everything right." It's baseball. The best hitters are going to hit this. It's not always going to fall your way. And there's had to be, you know, some reinforcement of that. There has been frustrated frust- frustration, but they do, you know, they do talk amongst themselves. And hey, you look good in that at bat. You did the right thing. They have their game scores. You know, at some point you have to see the results, and that's some point we're there. It's it's time for that, but. To see a 21-year-old stick with his process, and I think he's being rewarded. I don't think he's. I think he's finally getting what he deserves with it. But I think it's actually a good progression and introduction to the big leagues for him. Mm-hmm. It would have been fantastic if he came out on fire. Yeah, that's not happening now. Have you noticed the pitching on the other side? It's different than anything we have ever seen before. Yeah. And it's going to be very hard to see somebody come out and just tear it up because the divide of what they're seeing in the minors versus what they're getting in the majors from day one is just so great. So in that regard, this might be almost an ideal introduction for him. Uh, Jake asked you earlier, what do we need to see from Robbie Ray tonight? You said two words, more sliders. Uh, what else do we need to see from the Mariners to try to get out of this one uh, with at least a win in this series? I mean, they have a tough May ahead. 
this is well uh, they have a tough tonight ahead yeah you know the guy on the other hill is very very good it's going to be even tougher for the mariners hitters and i think this is a game where they've got to find a way robbie ray has Mm. got to find a way to keep them in the game and the hitters have got to find a way to put some runs together and uh, i i keep wondering you know when are you to the point where you do start seeing you know giving up the at-bats a little bit more the dreaded b word maybe you see a bunt dropped at some point anything you know if nola gets on one of his runs you're going to have to do something to disrupt it and if that happens to get somebody on base or get somebody over at that point and that just that has been a problem there were a couple times last night they had runners on first and second and nobody out and they ended the inning with runners on first and second yes and nobody out that you know things need to happen there (sighs) and we need to see that that, uh, it's just made me want to pull my hair out i know can you tell Uh. us just a bit more about nola is he a guy who uh i mean what are we going to see from him tonight you're gonna. He mixes it up, and uh, you know he works off of a very good fastball that nobody's hitting. I think he's got a, everybody's got about one thirty four off Oof. of the fastball. Throws curveball and not much more success against that. And sinker, changeup, cutter. I mean, he throws everything. and He throws everything well. This is you know one of the better pitchers in the National League. Does not walk guys. Started six games this year. He's walked six guys. That said, uh, he's gone seven innings twice. But, you know, perhaps, and we have, that's another thing we haven't seen from this group is, you know, having the at-bats where they're able to get a starter out after five. But when you see the struggle, that's part of it, yep. too. That is something that could help them out. You don't get too much of a break with the Phillies bullpen. You're going to see a lot of velocity out of that bullpen. But, you know, it's if, if the Mariners do what the Phillies are going to be doing and try and hunt their fastballs, particularly if the bullpen is, is in, you might be able to get that, that run. But, Ultimately, it's. I, I think you're going to have to do a lot of little things to try and, and build up a run or two, and Robbie Ray's going to have to hold it down. Shannon, we're talking about areas in which this team can prove and fixes that, that can occur. You know, the bullpen being one of those where, unfortunately, they just got hit with injuries. Uh, you know, you look at Casey Sadler, then you look at Sergio Romo. Ken Giles is now on the 60-day IL. How nice would it be for the team to be able to get Sergio Romo back and you know, you mentioned this before. Is that a big reason why Brash is being, you know, utilized in the bullpen right now? I think we're seeing that. And this is something that just blows me away. I understand the volatility in bullpens from year to year, yeah. but knowing that you had Ken Giles and Andres Munoz coming, I thought that would help keep them immune from pretty much anything. Right. You know, the Sadler injury was killer. Yeah. That hurt a lot. Um, Drew Steckenrider has had a rough start to the season. He was so key last year. Munoz, he's getting through it, but right. it is a little bit, you know, it, it's a little up and down. And Eric Swanson, uh, he's been fantastic. Unfortunately, Swanson and Seawald are giving up their one run at the wrong time. That's just <laughs> right. where they're at right now. But Swanson and Seawald have been fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, it's no stretch of the imagination to say that they might have to, to – you know, build a, a reliever pretty quickly. Hmm. And when they said that that is how Matt Brash could best impact this team this year, and there are no guarantees that right. in that, he's got to mm-hmm. command for an inning as well. But let's see what happens. That makes a little bit more sense right now because what looked to be a stock bullpen yeah. is a little thin right now. I, I, I'm not sure why we haven't seen Rowan Salias yet. Mm. I think he is somebody that could help out. And you hope at some point that Johan Ramirez kind of you know, reins it in a little bit. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, when he's on, he's been yes. very effective for very them. Very talented. He just gets off very quickly. 
All right, this game, first pitch at 6.40 p.m. tonight at T-Mobile. Robbie Ray on the mound. Pre-game show starts at 5.30. For Jake Heaps and Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer, Curtis Rogers behind the wheel, I'm Stacey Ross. This has been The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.